I'm always somewhat eager when I walk into Kroger or Giant Eagle. Um, when you walk in the, the Kroger up here, uh, right as you walk in, there's a tray uh, usually of somebody handing out sushi samples. And I always walk in there thinking, oh boy, I can get a sushi sample. Sometimes when I go into these markets, I, I, I plan on having my lunch there. You know, I can get sushi, and then I can go to the, the deli and get, you know, turkey or, or, or uh, ham samples, and then move on uh, and, and get maybe some bread and cheese. There's, there's cheese. And then there's a sample of usually a pickle or something, and then a little further down there's a sample of, uh, you know, something to drink. And, and so, it's a, you know, it's a pretty full meal, and it's, it's pretty well balanced and so on. And, and, and I like to do that. I like to get that glimpse. And often when Susan and I go into the Kroger and get that glimpse and that little taste, that sample of food, we'll end up buying the whole sushi um, platter or we'll end up buying, you know, maybe a pound of, of, of turkey or a pound of ham and we maybe will get the brick of, of cheese and we look forward then walking home of having the whole thing, you know, from the sample. Um, I'm sure none of you have ever done that. And, you know, sometimes when you go to a movie and you see, you know, the preview, the trailer of the movie, just a little glimpse of the movie, you think, oh, yeah, we've got to remember this one. We're going to go see it when it comes out. Yeah, we've got to see this one. Other times you might take a test drive in a car and you think, this is a great car. This was a wonderful drive. I want this car full time. So I'm going to get the car and, and experience the complete car and have the, uh, have the full experience of it. This text in 1 John is about this glimpse that we get of something that's so nice and so good that we want the full experience. And what John's talking about here is we get this glimpse of what God's love is like. And he says, but that's just a glimpse. At the end of time, you're going to see Christ face to face, and it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be wonderful. The complete experience is great. So take that sampler, hold on to that sampler, and the full experience is marvelous. You know. In religious language, this glimpse looking forward to the end and the fulfillment is called eschatology. Aren't you glad you battled the hot chocolate run to learn the word eschatology? Eschaton means the end. So eschatology is the study of end things. I don't know how else to say it. It's how things will end. We get glimpses, but now let's study how it will end and what it will be in its completeness, in its fullness. Have you ever had that experience like on a great day and you just want that day to last forever? The temperature is perfect, the humidity is it's dry, it's, and it's not a cloud in the sky, and, and it's just as good to be alive and you want that day to last forever. You know, it's kind of like a glimpse of eternity and lasting forever is what's called future eschatology. I hope it's like that. You know, or maybe you've had that experience of being at a party or a wedding reception and you think, 
Oh, this is a glimpse of what life is like. It's realized now. But I want it to last forever. You've probably had this during a sermon. This is an example <laughs> of it, but I want this sermon to last forever. Yeah. A vacation. This, this week at the beach was tremendous, and it was a glimpse of how life should be and I want it to last forever. Here and now, we are God's children, is what the scripture says. Here and now, we are loved by God, and we get that glimpse of eternity, but it doesn't last. And then it goes on to say, and what we shall be has not yet been revealed. You get a glimpse, but you don't know how it's going to end. And you want to know. Have you ever wanted to be like somebody else? Have you looked at somebody and think, gosh, I admire them, I respect them, I, I, I wish I had their talent, I wish I had their ability? I've spent my life, it seems, as I grow up wanting to be somebody else or wanting to be like somebody else, the first person I wanted to be like was Roy Rogers. Um, you know, a, a TV cowboy star from the, from, the, from the 50s, you know, Roy Rogers was just cool. Uh, you know, he had, he had his hat. He had his, you know, flannel shirt that was... That was you know, like a cowboy shirt, and he had um, a bandana, and he wore Levi's, and he had boots, and he had his dog, and he had his Jeep, and I just wanted to be like Roy Rogers. And, you know, when you want to be like somebody, you, um, you start to work to be like them. So I would wear my flannel shirt, I would wear my Levi's, I would wear my cowboy boots and my hat, in, you know, on hot, blazing hot July days when I was four or five, I'd get dressed and go down to play in this, you know, boiling weather, and mom would say, get out of those clothes. Put on a t-shirt and shorts. No, I'm going to be Roy Rogers today. You know, and I remember going out one day in my shorts and t-shirt to play with my friends when I was, yeah, four or five, and I thought, Roy Rogers would never dress like this. This is humiliating, you know. But, you know, I didn't have the stuff to be Roy Rogers. Um, I couldn't sing. I couldn't sing. I couldn't be like Roy Rogers. I couldn't ride a horse like Roy Rogers because I didn't have a horse. Much as I tried to talk Dad into getting a horse for that two-foot-wide space between our garage and the, and the back fence. I thought a horse could stay there, you know. After Roy Rogers, I, I wanted to be like Veda Pinson, the center fielder for the Reds in the late 50s and early 60s. He was so graceful, and he could hit well, and he could field well, and I'd make my, I wanted to be like him, and so I got to work being like him, and I'd make my dad go to the park and hit fly balls to me, and I realized I, I didn't have the stuff to be like Veda Pinson. I, I wasn't coordinated. Um, I couldn't judge a fly ball, and I was always misjudging them and either running in or just dropping it. Uh, I wasn't left-handed. You know, I just didn't have it to be Veda Pinson's. And I've gone through a series of, of people I want to be like, and it, and it just doesn't work out. 
I'd like to be like Jesus. There's lots I admire about Jesus. There's lots I envy of Jesus. I, I envy his poise. I envy how quickly he, he would think and how, how he always had a response that tongue-tied his, his opposition. I, I always admire Jesus' security, um, his, his self-confidence, which I know comes from his, his relationship with God. I, I admire that, that Jesus, um, his loving nature, I admire his peacefulness and his sense of contentment. I admire Jesus' seeing. Um, I wish I had the eyes of Jesus, how I tend to see things as male and female, gay and straight, black and white, rich and poor, young and old, and I, I tend to put people in in categories and not see them as they are, as, as human beings without the marks that we often attribute to people. And I'd like to see people fully as Jesus sees them, as, as human beings. And I'd like to have the feeling in my gut for people that Jesus has, how he, how he felt when people suffered, how he suffered with them. It wasn't just an intellectual thing for him. He, he felt. And I'd like to have that sense of compassion and that sense of mercy. It's more than, than heart. It's feeling it in your bowels, really, as the Bible would put it. And I get to work to be like Jesus. As the Bible says, purify myself as, as he is pure. And I find I just don't have the stuff to be like Jesus. Sometimes, you know, sometimes I always regret when I lose my temper. I I regret when I get angry. I regret when I get sarcastic. And I want to say, oh, that's not me. That's not the real John Keeney. I have to say, yeah, it is. Yeah, it is the real John Keeney because that's, I did it. I have to take ownership for it. And so when John says, purify myself as he is pure, I really would like to be free of those cutting remarks and the need to win and the need to belittle. And I'd like to be free of, of insecurity. But I don't have the stuff to do that. I'd like Jesus' stuff. God gets that. And John gets that. Here and now, we are God's children. That's the glimpse. But what what we shall be has not yet been revealed. That's the future. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. That commitment that we make to become like someone, for God becomes God's promise 
that we will become like Jesus. That we will be fully loving, that we will be fully seeing and fully feeling. Then we shall see him as he is. And we shall be like him. What happens at the end? What happens when we die? What happens at the end of time? We say it every communion. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We say that every communion. We say at the end, Christ will come again. What does that look like? I mean, we've sat with loved ones as they die, and we wonder, what happens? The Bible isn't very helpful, I don't think. It doesn't say a lot about life after death. It focuses on this life. And as Thoreau said, one world at a time. In places, the Bible will talk about dying and going immediately to be with God. Jesus implies that on the cross. Today you'll be with me in paradise. Paul will talk about, I wish I could go now and be with the Lord. In other places, it doesn't talk about an individual resurrection immediately. It talks about dying and going to sleep is the word, and waiting until Christ comes again when all are raised and all go to be with God. Personally, it doesn't matter to me. Um, there are lots of days where I really look forward to that long sleep. You know, boy, it'll be nice to sleep for a couple centuries. I'll be ready, you know. What matters to me is, whatever happens, we're in God's hands, so it will be good. And that's enough to know it's in God's hands. Now John says, here's what we do know. We are God's children now. What we shall be has not yet been revealed, but when he appears, we shall be like him. Not like Veda Pinson, not like Roy Rogers, but we shall be like him. We shall get the stuff to be like Christ. We will be like Christ, and if I had to define Christ in a sentence, I would say Christ is a person who's fully alive. We shall be fully alive. We shall be fully authentic, fully genuine, fully loving, fully 
seeing, fully compassionate. We shall be like him. That stuff I want to claim is not me. That temper and that anger, that stuff will not be me. For we will be purified. For we shall be like him. I think when we become like him fully alive and we become fully alive, we become fully who we are meant to be. God's promise is our hope and our reality. We become who we were intended to be by God. We get a glimpse now, but in the end we get the fullness of being fully alive We want that for ourselves. We want that for our loved ones. And to be like Christ, we want it for everyone. I usually end a sermon with, may it be so. This one I want to end with, and it is so. Amen.